The following message is from the audio ministry of Coastal Community Church. We trust you'll find it helpful and encouraging. Now, here's Pastor Chris Rollins. Since uh, we're talking about the presence of Christ, and I'm ex- surrounded up here by presence uh, with a capital t- or with a T, um, I want to ask you a couple of questions. What What are some of the most memorable Christmas presents? that you've ever given or received. Just think about that for a moment. Most memorable Christmas presents. Typically, uh, the most memorable gifts are really the ones uh, that are firsts. You know, like, uh, like the first bike you ever got or that first you know, baby doll that you really wanted or, or maybe it was that special gift that you gave to your husband or your wife on your very first Christmas or you remember that first Christmas you know, with children, uh, especially when they hit that age when it you know, became more about you know, just the bows or the you know, wrapping and stuff like that when they really got into it. Uh, other memorable gifts, of course, are the ones uh, that have a story behind it or maybe they were made by hand. Uh, my wife uh, made a cross stitch for me uh, one year for Christmas and uh, has one of my favorite verses on it. First uh, Samuel 16, seven, God sees not as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at your what? Your heart. Um, and so it's a story there about David and Goliath. Uh, but what was cool about it was that uh, she would stay up late at night, you know, working on this cross stitch for me. And then I'm so oblivious. We, w- we could literally be like sitting on the sofa together. And I knew she was working on something, but, you know, she was always working on different crafts or projects. And so I just thought it was something for Lydia or for the kids. And, but it was a, a cross stitch for me. In fact, it's still uh, in my office to this day. Uh, I remember uh, the big present that I got for Janet on our, our very first Christmas together. Now, being that it was our first Christmas as husband and wife and our, our very first Christmas tree, in fact, when, when you first get married, you know, and like, oh, your husband and wife, first Christmas, and you get your, your first Christmas. By the way, I grew up with uh, an artificial tree, a fake tree, a phony tree. And so when, when we got married, I wanted to have a real tree. So I'm not going to take a survey because I don't want to really offend you, although I don't care. So those of you who have a fake tree, you really don't love the baby Jesus, okay? So I'll just, I got biblical precedent for that. I'll just leave that alone. But anyway, but so we had, so we got a real tree, our first real tree. But then you realize when you're newly married, you don't have any what? Ornaments, you don't. You don't need money. That's true, but you don't have any ornaments, and so like you know. By the way, mom and dad, like later on, you ought to really think about you know giving your kids as they launch onto their own you know ornaments for their Christmas tree. Maybe their ornaments is you know. But anyway, um, so uh, Janet handmade. Uh, our ornaments that year. From, I mean, she, she went and got some craft and, and like hand sewed. I mean, so, you know, sewed by hand all of our ornaments that went onto the tree. Now, little did she know that underneath the tree, I was giving her a sewing machine. So when she opened it up, and I, you know, it wasn't the reaction that I was anticipating because I thought she would be a little more joyful about it, but uh, I know she loves me and she was excited. But one of the very first things she says, she opened up 
you know, the box and saw that it was a sewing machine, she, was, she looked at me and she said, wow, you didn't think about giving this to me when I was sewing all those ornaments by hand, you know? I was like, Merry Christmas, you know? So, um, but honestly, one of, the, um, one of the more memorable gifts that I've ever been given at Christmas wasn't handmade, and it definitely didn't come from Janet. Um, I'm, I'm, honestly, I'm not really sure the originator of the gift, but it was a first. And the reason is because it was at a, a Christmas party, and we were having, it was a, one of our earliest, like, church-wide Christmas parties. It's probably about 20 years ago. And we were much smaller, so we could just have, you know, a, an adult Christmas party. And uh, so we, we had, you know, the white elephant Christmas exchange, gift exchange, gag gift, whatever. And you can imagine at a church like Coastal what kind of gifts and presents we might open. But, so, you know, everybody had a number, and I was kind of emceeing the thing. And, I you know, finally it came time for my number. And so I went and picked out a gift. I didn't steal, but I I went and got a gift, and standing in front of, you know, most of the adults from our church, I, I uh, opened a box that contained a thong and a pair of handcuffs. So a thong and handcuffs. So just like that, you know, everybody got a big laugh, ha, 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 ha. But it, it wasn't the thong or the handcuffs that made it so memorable. What made the gift so memorable is that after the party was over, a woman from our church came up to me and Janet and asked if we weren't going to use them, if she could have them. Now, first of all, I was a little offended that she assumed we weren't gonna use them, but, um, but let, me just, let, me, let, me, let me just tell you something that I have learned in 25 years of ministry. When the woman comes and asks for the thong and the handcuffs, you give her the thong and the handcuffs. You just don't ask questions. You just give them to her. So anyway, um, so I don't know what the segue is there, but um, no, seriously, you know, I hope this year that as you're uh, planning and preparing uh, for Christmas and giving gifts, that, uh, you know, that, that you're excited about maybe some, you know, special presents that you've made by hand or, you know, maybe it's a first, a first, you know, Christmas for you and your spouse or uh, your children. And uh, we're just praying, you know, what a, what a blessing this, this year is going to be for you. Um, we are in this series called Presence and uh, the gift of Christ and being in his presence. And I want to read a verse to you. It's been the theme verse of this series, and it's kind of been the springboard for our messages, Isaiah 9, verse 6. It's a popular verse. You've probably heard it a lot over the, the Christmas uh, holiday, and, and uh, you might have even gotten a Christmas card in the mail with this verse on it. It says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Uh, so far in this series, we've talked about Jesus as our wonderful counselor. The idea that Jesus came for the sick, that he came for those who are humble enough and honest enough to admit that they need help. And that that's where it all starts. You know, being brutally honest with the wonderful counselor, listening to what he says, doing what he says. And then last week we talked about Jesus as our mighty God and the power of Christ. And sometimes we miss the power of Christ because we're looking for something outwardly big or a show. And what we were reminded is that we, the power of Christ is alive and well, but he begins by working from the inside out. 
uh, making us more and more like Christ. And then his power is at work for us, but it's, it's most evident when we are at our weakest, and that's when he's the strongest. And then we talked about how the power of Christ works through us when we share the gospel. And we step out in faith and, and uh, we love people and serve people and uh, share the good news of the gospel with people. Well, now all of a sudden, uh, not only is Jesus our wonderful counselor and our mighty God, but now he's being revealed to us as our everlasting father, our everlasting father. Now, going back and talking about presence and gifts, are we all in agreement that the most difficult person to buy for at Christmas time is dad? Right, would you agree with me? That's, that's, maybe that's my own personal opinion, but uh, you know, it is hard. it's hard to buy for dad. You know, because you know, dad, number one, you know, if he wants it, he'll get it. And, uh, or if he, you know, if, he, if he can afford it, or, I mean, he pretty much has what he, what he wants. And if he, does, if he doesn't have it, he'll probably go out and get it. And so as a kid growing up, you're always wondering, you know, what, what, do, what do we get dad? You know, he's got everything he needs, you know. So, you know, what do we buy dad? You're kind of scrambling around uh, trying to figure that out. I don't know if you remember like me when you were growing up asking your dad, what he wanted for Christmas. Now, without fail, every year, like it was a part of some sort of father code, uh, my dad would inevitably say something like this. I just want everybody to be happy. Your dad said the same thing, right? Um, and, and it would drive you crazy as a kid because, you know, growing up, you're thinking, Okay, dad, come on. That sounds really nice, but they don't carry that at Walmart, you know? Like, I only got so much money, so I don't have enough for world peace, okay? So you either tell me what you want, or it's soap on a rope or slippers, you know? One of those things. Uh, but then here's the crazy thing. Then I became a dad. Now, you know where this is headed, right? You know, because guess what? I do the same thing. Right, you know, early on my kids, you know, would come to me every year, pretty much asking the same question, Dad, you know, what do you want for Christmas? And without fail, just like growing up, I will say something sappy like, I don't need anything. I just want everyone to be what? Happy. And it drives them crazy. So I'm serious. In fact, when, when they press me, I would say something like, well, I don't care what you get me, just surprise me. Because if it comes from you, it's going to be special. In fact, that would drive them even crazier. So, uh, in fact, it got to the point, they kind of figured it out when they got a little bit older. Uh, they realized that what they would do is they would hold their Christmas list hostage until I would at least come up with something on my Christmas list. So do you know what I put on my list? The same kind of junk that my dad put on his list. Socks, underwear, you know? Uh, and they look at me like I was crazy. Or, you know, oh, just get me another Clemson t-shirt because God knows I don't have enough orange or purple, you know, in my wardrobe, so I need another one. Um, so I don't know if that is, you know, if that was your experience or is your experience uh, growing up. But I do know this, just the use of the word dad, father, it, it does begin to elicit and churn up some images and memories and emotions in everybody's minds and hearts. 
And maybe for some of you sitting here today, the memories and images that you have of your earthly father are great. I mean, maybe, maybe your dad was, was just awesome. And uh, you've got some great, special childhood memories. And I'm not saying, you know, no dad is perfect. We all know that. But I'm just saying, you know, when you look back on your father and you, you know, the memories that come to mind are just really special. And you've got great, great uh, memories and great experiences. And if that's true of you today, listen, be very, very thankful. Because the reality is that's not uh, everybody's situation. Um, and what happens is all of a sudden, when we think about our father, what we tend to do is we tend to project the image of our earthly father onto our everlasting father. And so we look at Jesus and we're told now in Isaiah 9, 6 that he is our everlasting father. We look at him and we think about him through the lens of our own experience, through the lens of our earthly father. Now, if you're a dad here today, I hope that wakes you up really fast this morning. You know, that in some small way, what your children will come to believe or accept about their heavenly father is formed in their hearts based in at least a small part on their relationship with you. I hope that wakes you up a little bit. Because so, so many people today, as they see Jesus through the lens of their earthly father, they see a father that was never satisfied. And they think, think about Jesus in those terms because the words, I love you. The words, man, I am so proud of you. They weren't spoken very often in your home. And as a result of withholding that love, a lot of children today uh, go in one of two directions. One direction, and, and truthfully, there really are just two sides of the same coin. The same, they're basically the result of the same problem is what I'm saying. As a result of withholding love, one group of children uh, just go in the direction of performance. They will perform, perform, perform. Just try to work to earn the love of their, their parent. Another direction, the other side of that same coin is rebellion. Rebellion. Now the child who performs, uh, maybe growing up was labeled the good one. You're the good child. And uh, he or she would become obsessed with pleasing a seemingly unpleasable parent. And again, not just good grades, but it had to be perfect grades, and always obedient, never stepping out of line, all in the hopes of just one day maybe hearing those words, man, I love you, I am so proud of you, but they never came. The rebellious child basically gives up on ever hearing those words. And so the way they work it out is, well, I'll just settle for any kind of attention. In other words, poor grades, bad decisions, sometimes even substance abuse or the wrong crowd sometimes are just the symptoms of a child who is desperate for attention. Sadly, many of you have experienced what I just described. You performed for your dad 
or you rebelled to get that love and attention. And so now what you've done is you've taken that same perspective and you've brought it into your relationship with Christ, the everlasting Father, and you really don't believe that God could ever be satisfied with you. And so you try to do whatever you can do to get him to love you or you give up and just run away from him. And so when we look at our everlasting father through the lens of our earthly father, not only do some of you see a father who is never satisfied, but some of you see a father who's always angry. Always angry. Maybe when dad was home for you, and it didn't, doesn't have to be dad, it could have been mom, but it was like walking around on what, what's the phrase you'll use? Eggshells. Because everybody was always whispering. Just wondering because, you know, when's going to be the next moment that, you know, that, that they're going to fly off the handle and start yelling. And, and maybe you heard words like, you are never going to amount to anything. You, you're a loser. We never even meant to have you. You are a mistake. You know, in an audience this large, statistics tell us that there are also a number of you sitting here today who not only experienced painful words of anger from your earthly father, but you experienced physical actions of abuse. And if that is your journey, it is at least understandable how you look through that to Jesus as an everlasting father and today you have a bad taste in your mouth. I am so sorry that that happened to you. You see, when we look at Jesus, our everlasting Father, through that lens, it, it really can mess things up. Some of you have seen a father who's never satisfied, who's always angry, and then many of you have seen a father who's never there. Never there. Maybe you grew up the victim of divorce. Maybe it was just a workaholic parent, and really dad was never there. And, you know, for all practical purposes, you felt like you raised yourself and your dad or mom missed your first at bat or your soccer goal or they weren't there when you were crying on the side of your bed because you broke up with your first boyfriend or girlfriend. So what's the result of all of that? Well, you know, two of the greatest human needs that everyone in this room has are the needs for security and significance. Those are two basic human needs. Security would be that inner awareness of just being completely, unconditionally, and totally loved. That's security. Significance is that understanding that you are worthwhile, you are valuable, you, you, have, you, know, you have worth. Now those two needs right there are so important that if you lack either one of them, you're gonna have a difficult time later in life with a healthy relationship. Now, here's where this becomes so important. If you're a mom or a dad, your most basic responsibility in a Christian home is just to become a reinforcer of the security and the significance that comes from God. That's your job, mom. That's your job, dad. Unfortunately, many parents today are not reinforcers of that. 
they are rejectors of it. And it causes a lot of problems in a lot of relationships and in a lot of marriages. I mean, think about it. What a beautiful thing it could be if you have a husband over here who understands that he is secure and significant in Christ, totally, completely loved, and has a sense of, of self-worth and value. And he's married to a woman over here who understands that she is a daughter of the king. And she's completely and totally loved and has value and worth. And they're not looking to each other to meet those needs and those most basic needs in their own life. They're already met in Christ. Man, that's a beautiful thing. Now, maybe your journey you know, growing up was not as extreme as maybe I described it. I really don't think it's that extreme. I think that's very common today. But here's what I do know. Everybody in this room has a story. And so just for a second, for the remainder of our time together, and this is gonna be really quick today, I want you to lay all that down. Lay down the, the, the lens, the perspective of God through the, through the lens of your, your earthly father and today, I want us to look at our everlasting Father through the lens of Scripture. Because what I'm hoping is that you're going to see a perspective, a view that maybe you've never seen before, but it's definitely one that you need today. Number one, if you look at Jesus through the lens of Scripture, you'll see an everlasting Father who is compassionate, who is compassionate. Psalm 103, verse 8 says this. The Lord is what? Say it with me. The Lord is compassionate and gracious. In fact, three little phrases here. Compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in love. Did you hear that? He is compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love. You know, one of the most liberating, you know, freeing moments that you will ever experience in life, and I've experienced it, and I love it when I see this in other people, is that moment when you come to the realization that there is nothing that you could ever do. There, there's, nothing, there's no way you could ever perform or act or earn. Zero, not a single thing, zilch, that would ever, you could ever earn God's love. There's nothing you have to do to earn God's love. And, and, and many of you are sitting here today and you've had to perform and to perform and to perform, maybe for a dad, maybe for other people. And you perform because you believe that those people never truly accepted you. And then you've taken that same approach into your relationship with Christ. And man, you have been working it and working it and performing. And you go to church and you read your Bible and you pray. And those are all great things, but you do them not because you are overwhelmed with the grace of God and his love and you want to be in a loving relationship with him. No, you do those things because you feel like you have to because deep down, you don't feel like he really accepts you or loves you for who you are unless you do those things. But he is compassionate. And you've been working and working and working. And I want you to let the words of Jesus sink in this morning. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you what? Rest. 
take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. Some of you need to rest. Stop trying to earn God's approval. Live a life that glorifies God, yes, but stop trying to do everything right because you think he doesn't accept you. Through Christ, he loves you and there's nothing else that you could ever do to make him love you any more or make, you, make him love you any less. So when we, look at, when we look at Jesus, our everlasting father, through the lens of the Bible, through the lens of scripture, we see that he is compassionate. Number two, we also see that he cares for you. He cares. This next verse is God speaking to you and to me. And you know, you've probably heard this verse, I know a million times, but hear it today because it is the truth. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Listen, I want you to know that our everlasting father, he is compassionate and that he cares for you and that his plans are to give you a future and a hope. He is not angry with you. He is satisfied with you. And if you don't get anything else, get that today. We look at him through the lens of scripture and we see a father who was incredibly compassionate, caring beyond what we could ever comprehend. And then number three, we also see an everlasting father who's always there. He's always there. It doesn't matter what you do or where you go. It doesn't matter if you try to even push him out of your life and run away from him. He is still always there. In fact, if you don't believe me, believe him because these are his words. This is Jesus. Listen to what he said. In fact, what's the very first word in this next verse? He said what? Never. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. I looked up the word never in, in Greek, uh, and guess what it means in English? You ready? Never. Never. It means never. And so if you're sitting here today, and you feel like life has dealt you blow after blow after blow, and maybe you feel beat up, and you feel like that nobody else sitting around you understands the pain that you're going through. Listen, your everlasting father, he is right there. And if you will run into his arms, he will give you his compassion, his love, and his peace. And the Bible says he will never, ever, ever, never let you go. So this morning as, as we close, I, I want to leave you with this thought. Let me ask you a question. What do you get Jesus for Christmas? I mean, it's his birthday, right? I mean, he's the one that we're celebrating. You ever think about that? And in fact, really, as you think about it this morning, as we know Jesus as our everlasting father, you know, what do you get the one who has everything? I mean, he has it all, right? Well, yes and no. You know, I remember, uh, you know, last week um, I talked about uh, the road trip that my daughter uh, Lydia and I took out to Los Angeles. 
And, uh, you know, it was, it was a long trip. It was a great experience, just her and I. A uh, great bonding experience between, you know, daddy and daughter. And, you know, we get out to Los Angeles and we're trying to find a place for her to stay and get her all set up. And, and so all, everything was really coming together. And yet we knew, both of us knew that the day was coming when, you know, she had to take me back to the airport or take me to the airport so I could fly, you know, fly back home. And we're kind of both dreading, you know, saying goodbye. And, uh, but we did, and we pulled ourselves together and, you know, gave each other a big hug and, you know, said a few things to each other that needed to be said and, and, uh, you know, turned away and got on the plane and flew home. And, uh, somebody was asking me this past week, uh, you know, was I excited about Christmas? Where, you know, what was I looking forward to the most this year? And I said, you know, that's easy. I cannot wait to hug my daughter. We, we pick her up uh, this uh, Thursday morning, this uh, Christmas Eve morning. And uh, although I'm very, very thankful for technology and we talk, you know, almost every day to each other and, and uh, we Skype and we FaceTime and we do all that stuff. But I can't wait to hug her. I can't wait to see her. I can't wait to wrap my arms around her. Uh, I've missed her and I'm ready for her to come home. Did you know that that's, that's how the Bible describes God waiting on you, waiting on you to come home? You know, he does have everything, but there's one thing he doesn't have unless you give it to him, and that's your heart. And the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 15 that much just like the prodigal son, when he finally came home to his senses and he turned around, he went back home to see his father, that the dad was waiting on him, looking for him. And he had his arms outstretched wide and he took off on a, on a, on a run, on a dash to embrace his son who finally came home. You know, what, whatever feeling that I have as a parent you know, wanting to, to hug my child and to see her pales in comparison to the love and compassion that our God has for you. His child, his son, his daughter. He's just waiting on you to come home. You know, why not? Why not come home now? And for those of you who've already come home, boy, we have, a, we have an awesome message to share with people, don't we? a message of love, a message of grace. You've been listening to a message from Pastor Chris Rollins of Coastal Community Church. For more information about Coastal or to explore what your next step of faith might look like, check us out online at coastalcommunitychurch.org. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, thanks for listening.